0: Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. We bless you as we come before you in Jesus' name and through his blood. Lord, we ask that that you would bless this time in the word. Lord, I ask you to come upon and speak through me everything that needs to be spoken, that even now your precious Holy Spirit would move upon every single person that's gonna be hearing this, and everyone, Lord, will by the Holy Spirit, be able to get focused, to give you our best year, our full attention. There's not going to be distractions. It's like the Holy Spirit moves upon our hearts and minds. And, Lord, give us eyes and ears of the Spirit. Revelation said that by gold we're finding the fire, and that our eyes be anointed. You know, the eyes have in the eyes. Lord, Lord, give us eyes of the Spirit to be able to see what you want us to see, to be able to see things out of the Word that we've never seen before. And to be able to understand deeper things, the meat of the word. <clears throat> and Lord, I pray tonight this will go out as living seed sown into good soil. The Holy Spirit, the winds of the Holy Spirit will blow and just carry this seed out among the nations through the internet, etc. And everything will be accomplished in and through this. that your will to be done, Lord. Speak through me everything that needs to be said. And Lord, we thank you for it. And we know the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So everybody's agreeing with me. Lord we submit this unto you and we resist the devil he must flee we bind up anything of the enemy right now in Jesus name that would try to hinder or distract or oppress or in any way hinder this word of God from getting where it needs to get accomplishing what it's supposed to do we bind you in Jesus name command you to go and Lord we stand on the promise your word will not return void it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do so we thank you for it and we thank you for speaking through me in Jesus name amen all right so you guys i'm going to cover something interesting tonight sometimes god really uses me as a a teacher of the word and i love the deeper things so i'm going to talk about seven mysteries of yom teruah so is it okay we get a little deeper tonight get a little bit in the mysteries and in the meat of the word all right well i'm going to do that i think this will be a real blessing to you actually and this may answer some questions that you've had so i believe that everything in the bible has great significance great relevance i don't think there's anything in the bible that is just to be glossed over i think that we can learn from genesis to revelation i think it's for today Uh, we just have to understand it okay and a lot of times people don't understand so tonight i think that this will really open up some understanding so As I get into this I wanted you to see I put a diagram there the first thing I want you to see was the menorah of appointed feasts so God gave seven major feasts in the Bible and they're very significant and it's interesting because in the springtime you have Passover and many times it's in the Bible in the New Testament they'll just say the feast of unleavened bread and it's kind of just a blanket statement but that refers to Passover which is one day and then it refers to unleavened bread which is a total of seven days total and in that the day after the Sabbath is the first fruit so it refers to those that whole set of three feasts now here's the interesting thing is Jesus fulfilled these see I'll get into this in a moment but Jesus you have to understand something this is significant because you know in a year in our calendar we have 365 days in a year in our calendar jesus could have died on any particular day but god made sure that jesus was hung on the cross on the day passover is anybody else seen how significant it so for years for 1500 years or so israel moses instituted passover and israel was supposed to be keeping this feast but every year that they did and that lamb was slain. They they were. It was like a dress rehearsal. And I know that there's some teachers that do a good job of bringing this out in the body of Christ. But there's a word in Hebrew called mikra, and it means like a dress rehearsal. But this is what they're doing every year when the lamb was slain on Passover. And while this ritual is going on, you gotta understand, there's all these lambs that are being brought into Jerusalem, and they're being examined. And even the the time frame that they're being examined Jesus is being examined by the leaders you see and while this is going on Jesus eventually was hung on the cross on that day on Passover so he fulfills Passover as the blood was shed he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world his body was without sin so the feast of unleavened bread Jesus is laid in the tomb and he's there during the remaining days of the unleavened bread he's in there for three days and i know there's a total of seven but the way that this fell was jesus was raised on the day of first fruits so he fulfills passover he fulfills being in the tomb during unleavened bread and he fulfills the first fruits as he's raised from the dead and then he said to go wait in jerusalem until the holy spirit come And on the day of Pentecost, not the day before, not the day after, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. And so Pentecost also was fulfilled. And so these spring feasts have already been fulfilled past tense. So the fall feasts are now what we're looking to that are going to be fulfilled. And this tonight is Yom Teruah. It's the Feast of Trumpets. It begins this weekend, rather and this is the next thing on God's prophetic calendar and what it speaks of in the Greek it's the word harpazo and rapture is not a bad translation of that word it's really not but just some people don't like that word for some reason but let's just call it the catching away is to make everybody happy but the catching away is the next thing on God's prophetic calendar and that right there is what we're celebrating right now as we look at yom teruah that just like i said before when you have that dress rehearsal rehearsal every year there's a lot of shofar blasting that's going on at this time and what does the bible say that the dead in christ will rise but it says that there will be the sound of that shofar blast okay so that's going to be what happens at what we call either the rapture or the catching away whatever you want to call it the harpazo there's going to be a snatching away like a thief in the night and that is going to be when that happens that's going to fulfill yom teruah the feast of trumpets and then after that there's going to come a time where the antichrist is going to make a covenant with the knesset in israel the president the prime minister the knesset in general are going to sign some kind of a peace treaty with the antichrist and when israel does that it's going to begin the days of jacob's trouble which is also called the tribulation and that's going to be seven years on the earth and it's the 70th week of daniel that's going to be a time of tremendous persecution people that went to church professed Christianity whatever but they weren't really right with God they never really dealt with their stuff they just went to church they were hypocritical they're not going to be in the rapture they're not going to be in the catching away so the first three and a half years of the tribulation time is going to be like a hunting down and and killing a lot of Christians and the reason for that is is because they know enough of the word of God that they're not going to take the mark and so they're going to be hunted down and killed for the first three and a half years. The next three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to turn. He's going to set up his throne in the temple and declare himself to be God. We all know this, and and the Jews are not going to go for that. So he's going to release great persecution against Israel. And three and a half years, Hitler only killed one third, but the Antichrist will kill two thirds of the Jews. It's going to be a greater holocaust than what they knew, what they've known under Hitler. Anyway, that's going to be a massive slaughter. Jesus said that those seven years, he said, those days will be so bad that if they were not numbered and cut short, there would be no flesh that survives. And that is, that seven year period is going to prophetically be fulfilled. Um, That's what the feast, if you will, of Yom Kippur has to do with. In Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, was the day of the year when the high priest went inside the Holy of Holies to make atonement for Israel that's what was going on it's a very somber time even to this day in Israel people will fast um, and it's a time of really repenting and getting things right with God but let's just make it real clear that we are on the other side of the cross and it doesn't matter how much works good works you try to do how religious you try to be you will never find forgiveness of sin outside of the blood of Jesus Christ that's just the way it is so Yom Kippur is going to center around Israel the days of Jacob's trouble but after those seven years Jesus is going to come and his feet are going to touch the Mount of Olives where he ascended from and when his feet touch the Mount of Olives it's literally going to split in two he's going to come into Jerusalem and he's going to sit on the throne of his father David and he is going to reign over Israel and over the nations from Israel for a thousand years and that will fulfill the feast of tabernacles so prophetically this is God's prophetic timeline let me say it again prophetically this is God's prophetic timeline and so we're looking at the fall feast to fulfill the end times all right here's a couple things here's seven mysteries I want to give you about this number one is people call this Rosh Hashanah which means head of the year and it can be confusing because Israel calls this their their new year of course we have ours at January 1st but here's the thing biblically the new year on God's calendar is actually nissan one which is right before passover so this really isn't god doesn't refer to this feast as the head of the year he refers it at, to it as the feast of trumpets now it's important because it prophetically speaks of the catching away that's going to take place at a shofar blast you see what i'm saying so it's important that you put the emphasis on the shofar so the first of the biblical new year is right before passover so God calls it Yom Teruah now this begins here's here's a <clears throat> mystery number two this begins what's called the 10 days of awe between now and Yom Kippur are 10 days where people are really getting serious with God and dealing with their sin which I think that that's a great thing because I think that we need to be serious with God and we need to deal with our sin amen so anytime people are going to do that I think that that is a very good idea but during this time people are telling others you know ministers and people are telling you need to make sure if you've you've made any rash vows you've made promises to god or promises to people you haven't kept you need to repent of that ask god to forgive you You need to make things right with people if you've stolen something you need to restore it if you've done something you shouldn't do you need to ask forgiveness for it you need to confess anything before god that you have done whatever make sure that you forgive others and you make things right and deal with things in your life i that's a good idea and it's interesting that the emphasis is on that around the fall feast see here's the thing i believe that to a degree this is prophetic because it's like israel has put shifted the focus on the fall feast about the new year And the focus is about really getting things right with God. You know, isn't it interesting that the focus is on that in the fall feast and those are the next feast to be fulfilled in God's calendar. And here's the thing. We do need to make sure that we've got things right with God. And the thing is, like I said earlier, there's a lot of people that are going to go to church, but they're not going to be ready when the Lord comes. And so this feast is Yom Teruah but it's also referred to as Yom HaDin which means the the day of judgment and I do believe this is a judgment day so let me just give you some background real quick it's believed in Jewish tradition it's believed that this Yom Teruah has something to do with when God finished creation the seven days of creation it's also believed that it was this time when Adam had sinned that God judged Adam for his sin but forgave him so that's where you get this being like a judgment day and let me just give you something else that's not in the notes but I find it very interesting because the focus here is on the shofar so how many knows the shofar is a weapon of war and I'm gonna gonna do some more teaching about that at the end of this sermon but I want to talk to you about the number 14 for just a moment so 14 in the Bible is the number of deliverance even David's name in Hebrew is DVD and it adds up numerically to 14 and David was like you know the one who brought so much victory and warfare and you know I mean it's like his ministry was that of delivering Israel and in conquering the enemy subduing the enemies He was was the man of great breakthrough. But 14 is a significant number. In the Hebrew alphabet, the 14th letter is the letter noon, and it translates like a letter N, but it's, it's the letter noon, okay? Here's something neat. The letter noon actually has a numeric value of 50. What do you think of when you think of 50? Jubilee. What sounded to declare jubilee the shofar and so this is really interesting to me because the 14 and 50 deliverance jubilee david's ministry but also there was another man and you remember when moses was here he represents the law but who came after moses there was a man named joshua his name means salvation his last name was Noon, in UN. That's the way it's really pronounced in Hebrew. He also was a great warrior, a great deliverer. He was the one that took Israel into the promised land, scattered the enemies, broke through the darkness. It was like a spiritual warfare access, you know, where he broke in. So, something about Yom Teruah, to me, has to do with this victory in war, breakthrough and there's something about judgment day i believe that there's times that the lord will really move where there's like a justice luke 18 the persistent widow was persistent and god gave justice there's something where the timing of god will shift and god will give you victory over your adversaries he'll break through for you and i believe all of this comes to mind during this time of yom teruah as we're hearing the shofar the shofar is supposed to awaken people which i'll get to here in a moment i also want to mention this this is the third revelation i want to cover these are god's feasts sadly the church has gotten away from it because of constantine and the whole thing with roman catholicism came to power and and deliberately did that but these are god's feasts Leviticus 23.2 says, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, the Lord's appointed times. Now, I love this translation because this is a very good translation, appointed times. The word moed in Hebrew is where we get festival from or feast. The best way to describe that word in English is a divine appointment. How many of you guys have ever had an appointment where somebody said, I will meet with you at this time? meet me at this place at two o'clock I'll be there to meet with you these are God's appointed times where he says I will meet with his his people in a special way so these are the Lord's appointed times which you shall proclaim as holy convocations my appointed times are these and so he lists them there's something about them see for you and I birthdays family birthdays anniversaries things like that are important to us for our nation we have different times that are important the fourth of july is important in america thanksgiving is a holiday throughout our nation that's important see these are important dates to us that we keep throughout the year but you have to understand something these dates here that i'm giving you these are important to god now here's something that's interesting in Leviticus 23 verse 14 it says it is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places so this is not going to end I don't I don't really have time to rabbit trail into this but there's scriptures in the Bible in Isaiah which says from new moon to new moon from Sabbath to Sabbath all the nations will come there's scriptures like in Zechariah during the millennial reign of Christ where people come to celebrate tabernacles in Israel And so these are going to continue on from now on. They're not going to end. These are God's appointed times, and they're going to be in place, actively happening from now on. Does that make sense? It's not going to end. When Jesus comes, these will continue on. And after the millennial reign, when the Father comes down with the new Jerusalem, these are going to continue on. I don't believe it has anything to do with your salvation or being right with God, but they're they're just simply dates that are important to God, and I believe that they're eternal, that they're going to continue on. The fourth mystery I want to give you is the prophetic timeline. I gave you that when I opened, but I want to give you something about the harvest cycles right now. I've mentioned this before. So there's three main harvest cycles in Israel. The first harvest cycle is barley. How many of you guys have ever seen barley? All right. So the first harvest cycle is barley, and barley is at Passover time. And you can see that, like in the book of Ruth, remember when he was laying there um, with the barley to keep people from stealing it at night, and she had to go to him in the night and uncover his feet but the barley harvest has to do with Passover and this barley harvest is a harvest that this is the way it was it was harvested obviously and brought in but this particular harvest is interesting because you read in the Bible some things that maybe we don't really know what it is you remember reading about a winnowing fork well what would happen is is that they would have this threshing floor and it had to be in an area where the wind could kind of blow through And so they would have a winnowing fork, which is just a pitchfork, and they would take this barley and they would toss it up in the air. And the wind would separate the chaff. And the barley would fall to the ground. So here's here's what's important about this harvest. It's a gentle harvest. The wind just simply separates the chaff. Remember that. And another thing is it's tossed up. All right so then after the barley harvest is the wheat harvest and that's closer to Pentecost time this wheat harvest is a little bit different it's cut down it's brought in but this particular harvest has to be crushed and so they had these these little sleds and they would have maybe something in the bottom of it like rocks or something embedded in it but they would have a person stand on the sled to give it some weight and then they would tie it to an animal who would pull it and so they would put all the wheat down on the ground and they would roll that over it and break that outer husk that was hard so the next harvest is a hardened harvest that has to be crushed okay and then the third harvest is a harvest of grapes this harvest is different It happens toward the the end of the year during this feast cycle that we're in. It has to do with the grapes and the olives, things like that, that are later in the year. The grape harvest is brought in, and what do they do with the grapes? You guys have probably seen this. The women are stepping on them and crushing them. Remember that? And it produces the juice that comes out. So anyway, this particular harvest is gathered and then it's crushed like that and and when you see all that red in the bible um the lord talks about treading out his wine press and it has to do with like his wrath his judgment and it's a picture and type of, of blood being shed because of judgment so here's the three harvest cycles you ready right now people this is like a gentle thing the holy spirit is blowing and moving he's moving in the earth the Bible says in the last days I'll pour up my spirit how many of you guys are simply responding to the Holy Spirit we don't have to be crushed we just simply yield to the Holy Spirit we 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 yield his conviction what he's speaking to us to do we're repenting the wind of the spirit is blowing through our lives and blowing out everything that needs to go God's doing a work in us he's preparing us and this particular harvest is like being tossed up we're going to be caught away but it's like it's the Holy Spirit moving in our lives preparing us he's separating the chaff out of our lives but see not everybody is yielding to that there's people that go to church or whatever because they feel like they have to be there or it's a religious thing or whatever and this doesn't apply to them because they're not really yielding to the Spirit of God so here's what happens those that miss the first harvest cycle There's going to be tribulation saints. These are those that are alive during the tribulation time. They either miss the rapture, whatever, but they're here. Maybe they accept the Lord after the fact, but they're here during the tribulation time, and this speaks of that wheat that has to be crushed because their hearts were hardened they wouldn't yield to the Holy Spirit they wouldn't deal with things that need to be done so now they're here during this time but there's going to be a lot of people that accept the Lord and get right with God during the tribulation time but it's going to be extremely difficult they're going to be crushed by the difficulty of that time it's a crushing harvest and finally at the very end The Bible says when Jesus comes back with all of his elect and we come back to rule and reign with him, there's going to be people still alive on the earth. There might be some Christians that survived it. But specifically, there's going to be a third of the Jews that are still alive. And Jesus, when he comes, he's going to tell his angels, go gather my elect. And they're going to go get that third of the Jews and maybe also remaining Christians I don't know but the third of the Jews are going to be brought to him and they're going to believe in him because they see him the Bible says they're going to look on him whom they pierced and they're going to mourn and so that final that's like the grape harvest two-thirds of those Jews were killed a lot of blood was shed but there's a remnant there's an elect that's going to be harvested at the very end is this making sense harvest cycles The fifth mystery. Though I should have put the watchman. If you're taking notes, write that down. So what did Jesus say about what this feast Yom Teruah speaks of? The catching away. Jesus said, no man knows the day nor the hour. So here's an interesting mystery. So the priesthood in Israel called the Kohanim, they were responsible for for keeping up with these feast times everybody else was out there working their farms and ranches and et cetera. Et cetera. it was the priesthood that had to keep up with so what they did was when it came time for Yom Teruah they would have to set watchmen why? because you don't really know the exact moment the exact day the exact hour they're looking to the sky because Yom Teruah had to do with when the moon would go totally black but then when it came began to have that little sliver that's called the new moon and when that new moon began to show up the watchman would have to let everybody know it's it's Yom Teruah it has begun and some say in Jewish tradition that they were on the hills and they would light some bonfires to be a signal others say that they would send somebody to run and tell the priesthood but you know the shofar began to be blasted but see this took some time to spread to everybody especially after the Jews were scattered so it became that this was celebrated on two different days so that everybody would be able to be included and it was viewed like one big giant day even though it was two days so isn't it interesting that no man knows the exact day nor the hour but the watchmen are going to be ready when it happens did y'all catch that see Jesus said to watch and pray you don't know the day nor the hour what are watchmen prayer warriors did you know in the bible that there's a lot of symbolism did you know that sleeping has to do with prayerlessness prophetically And isn't it interesting in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did did they keep doing? They kept falling asleep instead of praying. But that's all through the scriptures. Sleeping has to do with prayerlessness. But being awake, especially at night, like a night watchman, had to do with praying. And that's why you see scriptures in the Bible like Isaiah, where Isaiah said, awake, awake, and clothe yourself with strength. It has to do with prayer so Jesus said watch and pray that you'll be ready and so those that are truly watchmen we don't know the exact day nor the exact hour but I promise you this the true prayer warriors those that are close to Jesus that are really in prayer we are going to see it when it happens and we're going to be ready and as soon as that shofar blasts, we're going to be with him and number six mystery we're getting deep tonight you guys already know this story, but I need to share it because there's a lot of people that are going to be hearing this that don't know it. But number six is the ancient Hebrew weddings. And man, you're talking about a prophetic picture and type of the coming of the Lord. Very few things are so. Um, you'll see. Just let me give you this. So the ancient Hebrew weddings were like this. At the time in the culture young ladies that were virgins that obviously had not been married would go out to the well and they would draw water to water the animals and bring it in for the family etc and so that was the chore so if a young man was interested in being married he would simply go around the well and spy out who was out there and if a young lady caught his attention he would go to her father and he would ask him for her hand in marriage and if he agreed to it that you know he felt the guy was an honorable guy but they had to work out payment and it was called a dowry and so they would barter and you know he would offer so many sheep camels whatever and the dad would keep upping it a little bit i think you can do a little more than that you know and so they would finally agree to a price and so he had to pay the price for this bride and once he did she had to be willing so her father would call for her he was in there and he would tell her they'd set a a glass of wine on the table and he would say if you agree to this then you can drink of the cup and this was the ancient custom that she would drink of the cup if she agreed and from that point on she was considered married that's is important we would call it today engaged but she she was considered married just as much as if she already literally was married to him okay so what she would do when she left was she would still go to the well every day to do her chores but she would wear a veil over her face which told everybody i'm spoken for i'm off limits so she looked different than everybody else at the well you see the young man when he left her father's presence he had to go prepare a place for her so he would go and he could be gone up to two years and so he would go to his father's house and he would begin to build a bridal chamber he would get out there with his hammer and nails and get to work and so he would build this addition onto his father's home and no man knew the day nor the hour that this would be complete except his father because his father in that custom would have to inspect his work and release him to go And so his father would come in and tell him, you know, that's off over there. That's going to fall off. You need to fix that. You need to do this. But once his father agreed, okay, it's done. Go get your bride. The custom was in the middle of the night, the friends of the bridegroom would come. And they would go with him in the night like a thief in the night. And they would be somebody blasting a shofar. And so people that were asleep knew what was going on. They would hear the clamor. They would hear the shofar going down the streets. They would hear the shouting and rejoicing. They would wake up and they would look at each other and smile and say, somebody's getting married tonight. And they would go down the streets and they were rejoicing. So when the bridegroom got to her house, she had to be ready. Number one, she had to have kept herself pure for him this whole time, even though it may have taken up to a couple years. Every day she wore the veil, she kept herself for him and at night she never knew the day nor the hour that he would show up. So she always had to be ready. And so what she would do if she was a wise virgin was she always had a little lamp by her bed at night but she would have extra oil. Because he could come at two or three in the morning or four or five in the morning. And her little lamp would go out. So she had to have some extra oil there. So if he would come, and she would hear it coming at a distance. She would hear the shofar. You all seeing the symbolism? She would hear the shofar, and she would quickly jump up. It's time. And she would trim the wick of her lamps, and she would pour the extra oil in and get it lit, and she was ready to go. And he would take a ladder and climb up there, and he would snatch her out of the window like a thief in the night. And she would go off with him. With this procession. They would go to a place. That was prepared. Where there would be what's called a chopa. And they would get married under this big. tallit of some kind there. Exchange vows. But there was a. An agreement. Called a ketubah. And that was written out. It was like a a legal agreement. Kind of like a marriage license of sorts. It was a legal document. And then they would be married there as they exchanged vows. But here's the very interesting thing in this culture. They were not considered married until they consummated their marriage. So everybody was there and everybody was ready. She had been snatched away as a thief in the night. Now they've exchanged vows, but they would have to go off to that place that he had prepared for her. And they had to consummate their marriage. And when they did this, there would be obviously a sheet there and there would be some blood on the sheet and that the the bridegroom would have to show that to a witness and then they would say they're in a blood covenant together they are officially married everybody starts shouting and rejoicing but that young woman would take that sheet that had a little bit of blood and she would fold it and keep it among her things because it represented a blood covenant and later on in life if they were to ever go through a difficult time she could pull that sheet out and say remember that we're in a blood covenant all right so pretty much everybody probably sees the symbolism here jesus said i've gone to prepare a place for you he could be gone up to in this culture two years at two thousand years we have to live a righteous life and be ready this is a good time to be buying extra oil isn't it we see the coming of the lord is near we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit we need to be watchmen that are praying and ready for his coming and so Matthew 25 that's right there that that helps people understand that scripture when you know the ancient Hebrew weddings all right and this is what I want to close with is this the shofar I love the shofar in fact I want to do a little bit more shofar blasting here before we're done tonight y'all agree with me for some wonderful things in the days to come but the shofar there are 14 again here's the number 14 14 blessings connected with sounding the shofar the number of deliverance here they are number one it is a call to repentance number two it's an admonition against sin it releases like a conviction against sin number three it is a battle cry. Remember that? In the scriptures, it's a battle cry. It awakens the intercessors and the warriors. Number four, the walls of the enemy, the strongholds come down. You see that with the walls of Jericho. There was a shout in the blast of the shofar. The walls came down. The next one is angels are released on assignment at the shofar blast also the shofar confuses the enemy we see that in judges 7 Gideon and his men blasted the shofar what confusion in the camp of the enemy also Exodus 19 16 supernatural revelation comes with the shofar Did y'all know that it releases revelation the next one is Psalm 81 it stirs up faith in people the next one is the ingathering of God's people that's why we'll probably do this tonight that's why blasting to the north, south, east and west and calling in the harvest is the ingathering the next one is the restoration of Israel also the judgment of the nations Zechariah 9.14 also an open heaven like at Sinai how many want an open heaven? also the glory of the Lord coming in 2nd Samuel 6 says that the glory of the Lord David brought in the ark David brought the ark of God into Jerusalem with a lot of shofar blasting the glory came in and then finally we read in Leviticus 25 8 through 12 Jubilee is decreed Jubilee is everything that was lost being restored back Jubilee is an awesome principle there were four different blasts of the shofar the tekiah is just a, a, a long blast shivarim is three short blasts it's like a, a wailing then the teruah number three is the non-staccato blast is to awaken it's also like a, a warfare thing and then finally tekiah hagadol. this is a great blast the last blast so here's the way that it closes out each one of these set a blast because they're supposed to be nine staccato if you do it right it's 14 is Isn't that something the number of deliverance but among messianic believers there the shofar is blast around a hundred times and so if different people have various shofarim around the sanctuary and they'll be blasted somebody will call out to and it'll be one blast, and Shivarim, there'll be three, and it goes around and around. But at the very end of these series is the Tekiyah Haggadol. This is the last great blast in all of the Shofarim blast at one time, and it's a great, loud, mighty blast of a shofar. And that was what the Apostle Paul was referring to when he said the final trump. This is what he was talking about. And so I want to close with this scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 But we do not want you to be uninformed brethren about those who fall asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe Jesus died and rose again even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus which is those that have died. Verse 15 For this we say to you by the word of God that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout. And how many knows a lot of times the shofar blast is connected to a shout. The voice of the archangel. That's interesting. And the trump of God. This is the shofar blast. And the dead in Christ will rise. This is the resurrection of the dead. See those that have died and their bodies are in the ground. But their soul their spirit is with the Lord. They are going to be given their glorified bodies at the rapture. Their bodies are going to come out of the dust. They're going to be transformed and twinkling of an eye, and they're going to be given their glorified bodies. Then it says, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another, uh, one another with these words. So this is what this feast speaks of. The Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. The friends of the bridegroom are with him. The shofar is going to sound. He's going to catch away his remnant bride, snatch us away like a thief in the night to be with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb at that place that he has gone to prepare for us. Isn't that awesome? But it's our responsibility that we live a veiled life, that people see us, they see Christ. They see that we're faithful to him and that we're living a righteous life set apart, and that we're ready when he comes, okay?